want to welcome you to another episode of Money Matters Top Tips for Success, where I bring on business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives to share their top tips for success with you. Uh, I'm Adam Torres, and don't forget, you can follow me on Instagram at, at AskAdamTorres um, to keep up with all the book releases and uh, also the book tour. Really excited to have this guy on the line today, Scott Carson. Let me tell you, I see him everywhere online, social media powerhouse in his space. Um, he's the CEO of WeCloseNotes.com. Uh, Scott, welcome to the show. Hey, man. I'm excited to be here today. Thanks for having me. Man, so um, I we're definitely going to get into We Close Notes. I want to get into some of that social media marketing you do because there's a lot of business owners um, and executives, entrepreneurs that listen to this show. But first, I mean, for the for the people that are getting started as entrepreneurs, um, how, how did you get started? How did all this path take place for you? Man, I got started as an early early kid. I think I've always had the entrepreneurial bug because my dad and mom owned a local hardware store in a little small town called Ingleside, Texas, down in, in South Texas. And so I was the slave labor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was a kid that was putting everything together. And uh, by the time I was in the fourth grade, I was cutting keys, cutting pipe, you know, working on the weekends for people, whether it's mowing lawns or doing yard work for, you know, older ladies or working with an electrician to, you know, pull you know, electrical cores or stuff like that, or working for the plumber and digging ditches. I've always had the entrepreneurial bug. And, um, you know, when you go to college, went to college, had a football and an academic scholarship, and uh, got through college with a business degree. And I thought I'd go into business, but it just, uh, you know, I guess I'd always say it was a pain in the ass employee. We're always wanting to do something more. And I always ask, well, why can't I do this? Or why can't I do this? And that was the thing that kind of just led me to back in Lily. It's, I look back now, and I've been a, Wow, 100% full time, you know, make my own money basically since 2004, and it's it's been exciting. It has ups and downs, but honestly, it's just because I think it's running my blood, and I, I think I can do things a lot better than most people. And, you know, I, I will give a, a big shout out to, you know, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill or Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki and Sharon Lecter. But I think it, it comes down to mentality and, and the ability to to be coachable and not afraid to ask questions for different things. Let's talk a little bit more about that, about the idea of being coachable and what that looks like. Because I find, you know, it, it doesn't matter what um, what spot that you are in your career. I mean, without that trait, it's really difficult. Like, what is what is you having that trait done for your career? Would you say? Oh, man, it's, it's really, and, and I see this as an issue too with a lot of people coming out of college. Is that it's, unfortunately I was like this a little bit. I thought I knew everything. And being coachable doesn't mean you know everything. It means that you are willing to take constructive criticism. You're willing to open yourself up. Hey, how, what could I have done better? You know, and talking to people that are, you know, 5, 10, 20 years ahead of where you are and are probably on the path of where you want to be. But taking the time to ask questions and then literally open yourself up. Don't sit here and act like you know. Don't interrupt those people. They've earned your respect. And it's like when I was playing in, in football, you know, your coaches, if they're on your ass, you know, they're giving you, giving you something, that's because they care about you. They see big things. What you have to worry about as an athlete is when your coaches stop getting on your ass is then they've lost hope in you. And so I think that's the biggest thing I would recommend to anybody. Hey, take the time, go out, talk to the people that are doing the things that you want to do, and listen to them. And if they give you advice, it's not for them to blow smoke up your ass. It's, it's, it's advice or counsel so that you don't make the same mistakes that they did. 
how would you go about like let's say you're you're um you're talking to your uh little little youngin uh Scott Carson out there just graduated and he's like and let's just imagine that you didn't have this contact list or these parents that maybe had some introductions for you which you may or may not have had but um how would you go about seeking out a coach well that's good just i would talk to people you know if you're wanting to be a financial advisor find out who works as a financial advisory firm or go to um, a career day. So a great place to go to talk to people. Yeah, they often have somebody from HR there, but find out who the head honcho is. Those people that are really successful are sometimes the most approachable people out there. So one of the great things that I, I did early on when I was um, you know, getting hired or work, looking to do what I wanted to do is if I got interviewed by a company for a job I wanted, I then went to find who their boss was. And I would send them an email and interview <laughs> them as well. All right. So people That's interview awesome. them, you know, I'm like, who's your boss? Can I schedule a 20 minute talk with them just to pick their brain? And it was like, what? What, what do you mean by that? And I would, I would pick people. I'd reach out to people. I, if I went to a seminar or a workshop, I would spend time. And there was one, one event early on in uh, 2000, golly, this goes back to 2003. And I was actually working for a short period of time for Palm Harbor Homes. More home for your money, all right? And there was an event going on in town that uh, a hero of mine, Tom Hopkins, you know, How to Master the Artist Fails, is still a phenomenal oh, yeah. book. And he was doing a, a, like an all-day event here in town with some other guy, and like 97 bucks. And so I actually I caught a cold that day, a cold and sick, and then went to it, you know, paid the 97 bucks to go hang out. And there was like 2,000 people here in the Austin Convention Center. And the first half was about, I think it was a guy about Ron Marks talking about time management and time blocking and all that stuff. So I took a copious amount of notes, but I was there to listen to Tom Hopkins speaking. He spoke in the afternoon, 5 o'clock rolled around, and wrapped up the event. It was really good. But you know, if you've ever been to Austin, you know the traffic here sucks. And so instead of sitting in traffic for an hour and a half, I said, well, let me go outside to the bar, and I'll just chill here for an hour and a half, because if I leave an hour and a half, I'll get home at the same time anyway. So I'm sitting there, walking to the bar here at the downtown Hilton, packed so people had the same ideas and so i'm kind of standing there looking around for a, a, a chair or two and the, these two people get up from the bar and they leave and they walk away well as they leave there are two spots and like sitting there then i see tom hopkins literally walking in by himself and <laughs> That's he sits awesome. at the bar in one of these two chairs and i'm like oh my gosh there's tom my <laughs> idol my hero you know i should go up and talk to him and i was nervous and nervous and like five minutes later i'm like i'm so nervous i'm like i'm gonna go just go there. <laughs> So I go up there, I sit down, I introduce myself, say, hey, I'm you know, a big fan. I said, can I buy you a drink? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, hang on a second. He goes, I'll take a glass of the house red, whatever it is, and let's find a spot where we can talk. And I'm blown away. I'm like buying a glass of wine. I probably spilled half it on me. That's awesome. And for 45 minutes, I get to spend time just sitting one-on-one on these recliners next to Tom Hopkins, picking his brain. He's asking me questions. He's listening. Then he gives me the best bit of advice that I could ever give anybody. And he's Scott, you, 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 yeah, at that point, money was a little tight and things like that. He's Scott, you're going to go through ups and downs forever in your life. You have to realize that what you're going through right now is just a little blip on your life. And I, I think sometimes we get so bogged down in thinking that when bad things are going on, as, oh, it's the end of the world, oh, oh, woe is me, when really it's just a bad day, a bad week, a bad month. If we, as long as we keep working towards our goals, we'll get to where we want to be. And you've got to understand that there are signs out there you don't know the path to where you want to be. As we all wish, entrepreneurship, which was, was this, which we wish it was a straight arrow, a straight road, but it's not. There's full of turns, ups, downs, backtracking. 
And Tom said, listen, you're going to have ups and downs in your business. Don't get bogged down. You've got to set down your goals in a while to work a job for a little longer, to pay some bills, to get your back, your assets you know, assets out of a sling. Do that. Don't give up on your dreams and reach out to those that are there. And those that are there are going to give you the best advice, best counsel that you'd ever have, and take their advice and run with it. So. And that oh, was man, that was that. one of the I love that one Come of, on, you got to sit down with Tom. That's a legend, man. That's a oh, and my experience. oh my gosh, and I ran into him. I had the good fortune to fast forward, um, you know, over a decade later. I actually spoke with him on the same stage at one point. Wow, and that's that amazing. Two, two years ago, so it was really kind of a cool. He doesn't speak that much anymore. Still, just a great guy. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, that's the so, thing. Just be coachable. Mm-hmm. And one thing you bring up here and, you know, saying it's good fortune in terms of, um, oh, and you didn't say, um, you know, being in the, being in the right spot at the right time and you, you obviously walk by him, but I mean, what's your views and I know what mine are, but what's your views on attending the conferences? I think it's important as long as you're not the smartest person in the room. You want to go places where you're the dumbest person in the room and it's important to go. It's, it's important to network. All right. It's very important to network. Spend time, be there, show up early, stay late. Uh, the biggest, the biggest mistake you can do is to go someplace and plan on partying. Go there, f- take plenty of business cards, take a pen, take a notepad, and literally be there. And if you're talking to somebody, be in that moment with them. Don't be looking around for the things. I go to a lot of conferences a year. I go to a lot of marketing conventions every year, and I'm always one of the first ones in the room. I'm always taking copious amounts of notes. I take time. There's a lot of vendors to really go by and walk by each vendor because that's half the value. Usually when I go to a conference, if I can find one vendor that saves me the ticket price of the event and the travel, it was worth the whole trip. And Absolutely. that's the big thing. You know, go. It's, sometimes they're expensive. I'm not going to lie. Like some of the different conferences are expensive. Well, if they're expensive, then the way to get around it is dress nice, dress like you belong, and go hang out in the local bar right next mm-hmm. to it, wherever it's at. If it's in the hotel – Hang on the hotel lobby. Dress like you be there. After a day or two, they'll let you basically walk in for free. <laughs> Love it. And you know, to me, there's there's two different people: there's the people that attend and the people that don't. You can't. You don't yep. know what's going to happen there. You don't know who you're going to meet if you don't go there. I can say I've been to conferences where I'm, it was just literally meeting one person was worth mm-hmm. all the time that I was there. Ticket price aside, it was just like that changed the trajectory or one idea out of the thing. It's just to be, yep. have that mindset of being open and willing to learn and see, you know, just uh, what's going to come your way. And it might be a complete incidental um, run in like you had. That is something that yep. you probably held on to for a long, or still are holding on to um, um, that experience. Let's transition a little. I want to, I want to talk more about weclosenotes.com and what you're doing there. So tell me a little bit more about that. So fast forward, you know, I'm 18 years or 17 years into my entrepreneur career. Uh, I started in the mortgage industry in 2004, ran a mortgage company until everything happened in 2008, and got out of that. Instead of originating notes, what I started doing is buying naughty, as I like to call it, naughty notes or, or defaulted mortgages. And what we do at We Close Notes is we, we buy distressed debt. We're buying notes uh, on residential commercial properties from banks and hedge funds across the country. And our goal is when we buy this debt, we become the bank. And then our goal is then to reach out to the homeowners that are still on the properties and try to rehab the borrowers. Uh, we try to rehab them in some sort of fashion where they're either trying to get them to modify, you know, do a trial payment plan or get started or forgive some debt or just, we do, we do a lot of creative things 
for the homeowners because our goal is, to, I guess, to get them reperforming. So now they're uh, they start paying us on time, and we make money off the cash flow. So I've been buying debt since golly, 2008, 2009, and um, just absolutely closed on over a billion dollars in assets for our own portfolio. We've helped a tremendous amount of other real estate investors, you know, make millions of dollars and really change their lives uh, and, and their families lives by learning how to invest in this and stuff as well. So um, we teach you know, workshops. I'm one of the premier educators in the, this little niche of an industry out there and uh, absolutely love what I do because it's, it's, it's great when you can make an impact on your bottom dollar, but when you can help other people succeed, get to help them get out of issues, whether it's a student of ours who's trying to make money, leave a job, or it's a borrower who's in a bad loan, and you can really help change their life and, and outlook uh, by helping them, you know, uh, retain the uh, the dream of home ownership and really turn something that's been a nightmare with them being upside down or late or whatever into something that really helps them just be able to sleep at night. So it sounds like overall, I mean, this is a win-win relationship. We try to the investor we, we, for you. I mean, yeah. I mean, if in a, in an ideal world, if you can restructure their note and they get to keep their home and they get to start paying on it again, you obviously make money from the cash flow. If you have investors on that deal, then they're obviously making money also. I mean, that I, obviously that's the perfect case scenario. But I mean, the alternative is what you know. If you can't restructure and if some the bank comes in, they just basically take it, right? Am I off? On yeah. That or? No, no, you're you're 100 percent right. I mean, we, I can be their shining knight on a white horse that rides in and saves them, or if they won't work with me, or they get ugly, or you know, tell me they'll go f yeah, off. For sure. Then yeah. we just turn it over to our attorneys and foreclose, and then take the property. That's our least favorite exit strategy, I and mean, there's like one of ten. Uh, I, my best favorite one is always a buy. Hey, give them, you know, drop them a, a letter email, phone call, and have our, our vendors work with them. But I, I, I'm willing to work with somebody. If somebody's been through you know, a, a struggle, a financial hurdle or two, look, I'll, I'll help them, but you've got to help themselves. So, um, I mean, I'll give you an example. We, we're able to modify about 60% of the time. The other 40% mm-hmm. were either foreclosing or even offering cash to the borrower to walk. So. Nice. And so um, do you have, um, like, where are these events? Are they online? Are they in person? Just so for the, for the listener. Sure. No, no, no. If you're wanting to find out more information, our website's great, weclosenotes.com. But I have gone into the 21st century, and I stopped doing <laughs> hotel events two years ago. I was one of the first ones in, in the real estate industry really to focus full on to, online. And so we do them three to four times a year, usually once a quarter, online. Uh, we have people that are watching from their home, their office, the pool, the bedroom, while they're driving across the country. Um, we have people. We've had people go to our workshops online from 32 different countries. You know, um, so it's, it's really rewarding because it allows it allows for us to keep the cost down. It also makes it a lot more affordable for people where they don't have to jump on a plane and you know, buy a plane ticket or rent a hotel room or eat crappy food while they travel. They can literally stay at home and, and get a good night's sleep and and be able to jump on and jump off. And or of course, we record everything and, and include the recordings with it, so they've got to step away for an hour or two or for a family issue, they don't miss out on anything. That's great. And um, so for an investor, so let's say there's an investor listening and they're like, oh, okay, I want to learn more. They're obviously going to go to your website, but just in general, because this is a niche. um, And and some of the people out there may not even be familiar with, you know, the term note, just to be straightforward. Um, What what does it look like from an an investor's um, side? And not holding you to percentages, anything like that. I just mean in general, like the process. So what we do, this is a really good question because we get it all the time. So if somebody's got some money sitting in an IRA or a 401k or 
certificate of disappointment making them nothing. Um, you know, we love to get on the phone with them. Let's talk about what your, their goals are, what's their experience. You know, if they don't have any real estate experience, you know, or, or knowledge of it, you can go to workshops or stuff like that. I mean, if their idea of real estate investing is, is like flip this house, <laughs> yeah, that fiction of a show, we're probably not going to work with them that much. Or we, what we would probably do is send them someplace to get some education. Cause that's the most important thing is, is learning what you're investing in and having a good feel for it. I never recommend anybody invest in something that they don't understand. It's just a bad, bad formula for for failure if you don't understand what's going on. So uh, that's why we have so much education on That's why we have the podcast that we do. That's why we've got thousands of videos on YouTube and, and, and uh, Vimeo as well. But um, we talk with them, figure out what their you know focus is, how much are they looking to invest. If somebody's only got like five, ten grand, it's their last five or ten grand. It's like, listen, this is not for you. Uh, we prefer to work with accredited investors or sophisticated investors, but we've got other deals that we'll do with one-offs deals or joint ventures with, with people who have got some money. But just visiting with them, kind of, like I said, feeling what they're focused on, making sure they've got realistic time frames. Because buying a note isn't like a 90-day thing or a 30-day investment. It's literally a 12- to 18-month time frame. Because uh, when we buy the debt, it takes a while to transfer it over. It, it takes a while to get the servicing company rock and rolling. It takes a while to foreclose. And each state's a little bit different foreclosure time frame. And then, of course, turn around, and then if we have to foreclose, and then selling the asset off to, to make money on that stuff. So, like I say, expect a 12 to 18 months. But if you're used to having a CD or annuity, you're, you're pretty used to that anyway. But, um, you know, like I say, check out the website, opt in. We've got a couple of different places where you get some great information. Um, people can always drop me an email, and I'm always glad to set up a 30-minute call to, to visit with them as well. Oh, that's great, Scott. Well, hey, I really appreciate all your time today and educating the audience on not only notes but also your background. Um, definitely, everyone, go check out weclosenotes.com, um, and you'll see Scott got a lot of great material, a lot of great education pieces out there. Um, one of the reasons I brought him on the, on the show. Um, again, Scott, thank you for your time. Um, to, all, to all the listeners, uh, thank you, and um, don't forget uh, to head on over to the website, moneymatterstoptips.com, to see what we have cooking for you. Um, other than that, Scott, have a wonderful day. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks, man. Hey, if you're listening here right now, go to iTunes, subscribe, leave him a five-star review. Come on, man. Help him out. Bam. Look at that, Scott. You, you're going to get your royalty, you know. <laughs> <Take> care, man. <laughs> thanks, man. <laughs>